Welcome to The Truth Hurts, a bonus episode of Diversity Bites, the only daily diversity podcast designed to help you transcend statistics, increase belonging, and unlock higher performance. I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Today, we have a guest who is making waves in the anti-racism space. Syra Rao is the co-founder of Race to Dinner, co-author of the New York Times bestseller, White Women, Everything You Already Know About Your Own Racism and How to Do Better, and the subject and executive producer of the documentary, Deconstructing Karen. Welcome, Syra, to The Truth Hurts. Thanks, Joe. So I originally came across you, um, I believe, on LinkedIn, and you had sent me a copy of your book. I'm not sure if I had commented on something or why you sent me the copy. And I've been following sort of the progress and the arc uh, of Race to Dinner, And I must say, maybe in the last month or two, it seems like there's been a lot of tremendous uh, activity and growth. Yeah, that's right. I mean, our book came out on November 1. uh, And the movie Deconstructing Karen came out on American Thanksgiving Day. And the book hit the New York Times bestseller list in the first week. uh, And it's just kind of exploded since then, which is super exciting. Yeah. And um, I had a chance to watch Deconstructing Karen uh, before uh, we came on together today. And I have to say it it's a nice sort of companion mm-hmm. or, you know, supplement to the yeah. book itself, which has, you know, so much great content and concepts on, you know, anti-racism. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's that, you know, people ask, like, in what order should we read first? Should we watch first? And sort of the general consensus is read the book first and then watch the movie so you can kind of visualize what we the anecdotes that we share in the book. Yeah, I, I would agree for that. Uh, agree with that, except for people with uh, very little attention span. Mm-hmm. Watch the movie then. Book. Sure. Watch the movie. It's short. <laughs> it's like 70 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, um, you know, uh, this won't be on video. This will just be audio. But if it had been on video, you people might have noticed that you and I um, are both Asian, right? And uh, Asians don't have a great history of uh, relationships with Black people. And in fact, um, at least in my experience, can be quite racist, uh, you know, towards Black people. And and your partner, Regina, is Black, and you have a uh, a great sort of one-two kind of combo going. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, how you came to this space of anti-racism? Because I know a little bit about your history, and I know my own history. Yeah. We weren't always where we are right now in terms of our, you know, aspect of uh, anti-racism. Sure. Um, I mean, I was, I was going to say this is timely today, but it's always timely. Uh, Keenan Anderson, 31-year-old Black guy, was just murder teacher. In, in LA by the LAPD, just murdered. Um, and I just did a video that I put up on LinkedIn and Instagram, and let's see how suppressed it gets by all the algorithms, right? Because in the video is directly calling out us Asians. So yeah. we, Joe and Syra, are complicit in Keenan's murder. How is that? Yeah. Every time we cross the street, when we see a black person, we are complicit. Every time we roll up the window, when we see a black person, we are complicit. Every time we refuse to acknowledge that we're anti-black, we are upholding our anti-blackness and we are complicit. I would even say we're not complicit. We're active. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the problem, I mean, there's so many problems, but a foundational problem is that we have no analysis around power and what racism is, is power. And everybody sits in the ecosystem. Everyone sits on the hierarchy somewhere. And the reason it's so important that Regina and I are who we are, it's a black woman and the model minority, intersectional, 
intergenerational. I'm 48. She's 72. You know, like, so she's lived through Jim Crow. My family came here after the Immigration Act of 1965, which was, which that was the first massive wave. Obviously, Asians were here before and treated like shit by white people, right? Mm -hmm. Always, but, but always made to feel like we were better than black people. That was the, that was the con. That's always been the con. It's, it's white supremacy is divide and conquer. So uh, we come here because black people died to get the Civil Rights Act. Of mm-hmm. 1964. That's the Immigration Act of 1965. What do we do once we're here, Joe? We know instantly where we we sit. I can't remember a time in my life that I didn't pray to be white and that I was so grateful that I wasn't black. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be clear, let's be honest. I'm not an anomaly. That's the reality. Yeah. And so that's power. So white people have more power than us, and black people have far less power than us. And the way that we get to be more powerful is by shitting on the people below us mm-hmm. and ourselves ergo ourselves we have to lose ourselves so that's the internalized um, white supremacy that's the internalized anti-blackness and that's internalized self-loathing as well and so traditionally we have been used as a pawn p.s i was at i was at nyu law my my third year i was a um, intern at the U.S. Attorney's Office, which was right next door to the World Trade Centers on Tuesdays, the fall of 2001. I was coming into the World Trade Center wow. when, when that all went down. I was one of the thousands of people you see running up Church Street. I left my apartment in Chelsea as the model minority, and I came home bloody as a terrorist. So let's be clear. Okay. None of us are safe here. None of us like East Asians have become massive targets since COVID. And instead of acknowledging this and fighting for our own lives, Mm -hmm. we continue to try to aspire to whiteness. Mm -hmm. And that is by design. That is a system working beautifully. Nikki Haley existing is the system working beautifully. Rishi Sunak being the anti-Black horrible prime minister of the UK is a system working beautifully. So what do you have is if you have a Black woman and the model minority saying, no, we're not doing that anymore. We are united against white supremacy. We are united. And what we are asking white women is to stop caping for whiteness and join our intersectional sisterhood so we can overthrow the patriarchy, white supremacy, all of it, right? But what I'm also, every single dinner, every dinner, it's in the book, it's in the movie, I talk about, I am anti-Black. I'm anti-Black because all Asians are anti-Black. There's it just like all white people are racist. So it is not a feelings thing. It is not a up for discussion thing. It is an institutional thing. So if you come through the sausage factory, you do in fact become sausage and the color of your skin, your ethnicity, your race is determined, determines what kind of sausage you are. So we get nowhere. We get nowhere if we continue to pretend like we haven't been marinating in the same stew as everybody else, it's ahistorical, it's it's lacking in critical thinking skills. And these are nice ways, these are euphemisms of saying these are lies. These are lies that we tell ourselves. And what Regina says at every dinner, because I'll say I'm anti-black and all the white women will go, you work with a, you work with someone anti-black. And she was like, we know everybody thinks they're better than us. Like, let's just get this all out of the way so we can spend the next, we get all of this out of the way, the foundational stuff in the first five minutes of the dinner. So Mm -hmm. an hour and 55 minutes we can spend on talking about, okay, what, what next, what do we do next? Yeah. Well, a couple of things that really resonated with me with what you were saying. One, it's the whole concept of the con, right? Like how this is really, we're not really better off in in maybe in a relative sense, but, but not in a true sense. Um, and then the other piece which really resonated with me is this sense of, and this is 
I feel um, crucial to the work that you and Regina are doing and the way you're doing it. You can't, she says this actually, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And, uh, you know, I was a psych major, you know, at UVA and Carl Rogers just saw a quote of his, the curious paradox is that only when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change, right? So that's exactly what you and Regina are talking about. You can't change if you don't acknowledge, look, I'm racist too. Yeah, you know, funny story about that. So when Regina, Regina says that all the time and it's a Dr. Phil quote, you cannot, like those words, right? So we were just on Dr. Phil. Yeah. And we were there last month and Dr. Phil was clearly not a huge fan of ours, but in multiple things can be true. And we're deeply grateful for him for having us on his show. Um, But, you know, I said it to him because he was like, well, and I was like, well, you know, you're the one who said you cannot change what you don't acknowledge. And he starts, he was like, well, I did say that. So, you know, that's, and so, you know, Joe, I'm just sitting here um, thinking about we're in January of 2023. We have an ongoing coup on Capitol Hill. That's Mm -hmm. literally what's happening, right? What are white people doing? And ergo, de facto, I'm sorry, what what are Asian tokens and model minorities doing? Cracking jokes about Kevin McCarthy and like showing flashing pictures of Katie Porter being a girl boss. She her her picture holding like the how the the art of giving zero fucks. That's some serious toxic girl boss stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a coup. There's a coup happening, and we're all not we. These people in Congress are all jostling for the best soundbite, photo op, like owning the repugs. You know, mm-hmm. and. I don't know, Black people continue to be murdered, right? More and more cities are turning into Flint, Michigan. We're not even talking about the water crisis, right? Mm. The Salt Lake is drying up. There's a monsoon happening in California. The suburbs of Boulder, Colorado burnt to the ground two Christmases ago. None of these things are really, what is happening to the brown people in ice concentration camps, we haven't heard a damn thing about them since COVID. They're probably Mm -hmm. mass graves that we've all funded. Mm -hmm. And we are sitting here arguing about whether or not we're racist and whether or not we are anti-Black. This is incredibly terrible. Mm -hmm. I don't want to use ableist language about this as being insane because it's not insane. It's not a mental health thing. Mm -hmm. It's actually consciously terrible Mm. in terms of what we're doing or not doing and you know people are still like oh i don't want to hurt this person's feelings we're still talking about dei dei as practice in white institutions is lipstick on a pig dei is a (laughs) box checking exercise of i don't want to get sued look at look at what i've done if you are if your dei doesn't talk about white people and whiteness and anti-blackness your dei is white supremacy yeah yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. We were having one of these um, uh, sort of uh, gatherings where we had different tables for the different, you know, employee resource groups. And uh, I was, you know, uh, at one of the tables and a gentleman stopped by, an older white gentleman. And then, you know, I was talking to him and he was like, you know, similar sentiment. He was like, you know, none, none of these things work, you know? And, and I thought about it quite differently at the time, thinking like, oh, you know, he's just not into it or doesn't really support this thing. But actually, there was a lot of truth in what he said, like they don't go far enough. They don't really change the game. Well, I guess my question, Joe, is what is the purpose mm-hmm. of corporate, academic, institutional DEIs? That's a DEI efforts. That's that's the question. If the purpose 
is to dismantle whiteness and white mm-hmm. supremacy and xenophobia and colonial practices in these institutions, then they're, it's not only that they're not going far enough, they're, they're doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's not even that they're not doing anything, they're causing harm. Mm-hmm. If the purpose is to check boxes, pat yourself on the back and make sure you don't get sued, then they're going great. You know, so we don't talk enough about what the purpose is. So if the end game is to not get sued and to pat yourself on the back, DEI efforts are doing are amazing. You know, Um, hire more white people, Mm -hmm. hire more token Asians, Mm -hmm. hire more model minority to run your programs and make sure nothing changes. Right. But if if what you're actually seeking is to decolonize and eradicate whiteness, Mm -hmm. it's I, I, I can't think of a single DEI program in America that's aiming to do that or achieving that. So uh, let me run something by you because this uh, is really resonating with me, what you're saying. I've been having the thought recently that um, the problem with institutional racism, let's say in a particular company or organization, it's not the training, it's not even the management, it's actually the people. It's like all the people in your organization. So let's just use broad statistics. If 90% of the people in your institution could care less and are just paying lip service, nothing you do centrally, nothing the CEO says, no values on the wall are going to fix that. It's only by, and I don't know how you get there, right? But getting to a place where now 90% of the people who you hire, retain, and promote are the ones who really believe in anti-racism, who are really doing this work every day, this uncomfortable work, that's the only way you actually make any progress. Well, two things. First, I keep looking at the diversity bites thing. Even the term diversity is problematic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Why are you and I, where, where, were you born in New Jersey? Um, yeah. <laughs> I was born in Virginia. Why are we diverse? Right. Why are we, I mean, it's we're, yeah, ridiculous. We're American. <laughs> the, the term, the fact that we're hyphenated, everyone yeah. else is hyphenated. Yeah, Black yeah. Americans, Brown Americans, Asian American, whatever. But white people, you, I got, I got my account at LinkedIn got deleted for me using the title of my New York Times bestselling book, White Women. Wow. I mean, you can't make it up. You know, you wow. can't make it up. And so on LinkedIn, it's it's all like, you know, you shouldn't be posting about this because it's unprofessional. Talking about racism is unprofessional. Wow. Racism permeate. Ra- racism doesn't permeate. Racism is the foundation of America and yeah. capitalism rules America. So therefore, you know, racism is the foundation of capitalist institutions in America. So I would disagree in terms of it's complicated. You know, I I think you use the word complicated, it's hard or whatever. It's not. Mm -hmm. So none of this is complicated. Mm -hmm. What's complicated are people's feelings around doing this work. So Mm -hmm. here's what I would say Mm -hmm. is 90% of your company doesn't care. 90% of your company wants to uphold the status quo. If you really want to change that, you know what you do as leadership? You dedicate your resources and time towards fixing that. How do you fix it? You start talking about it. You start reading, reading. Sure, read our book. There's lots of books. There's lots of books. Start holding safe spaces. What does safe space looks like? Nobody gets fired. Nobody gets demoted. You can you can have, you know, honest, true conversations in these places where instead of dedicating time to checking boxes, we're going to dedicate time to, to, you know, dismantle our stuff. It is not complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, our entire reason 
we chose to do this over dinner is because you can replicate dinners. And and by the way, I cannot tell you how many people are like, let's get you in, you know, this, that keynote, whatever. And we're starting to do like actual corporate events. And we're like, we're not doing a PowerPoint. We're not doing that. What we're, what, what we will do and can do is come in and hold an effective race to dinner with your company. And that's how that's going to happen in 2023. But the reason we did it in dinners is it's impolite to talk about politics, racism uh, at the dinner table, which means it's impolite to talk about it at the lunch table. It's impolite to talk about it at the breakfast table. It's impolite to talk about it at work. So if you can decolonize your dining room, you can decolonize your workspace. What we do, by the way, the people that we have, one of our dinners we just talked about yesterday, uh, one of the most poignant dinners we had was with 10 white women medical doctors in Denver. Okay, so they're professionals. They are white shoe professionals. They have come from work, dropped off their stuff, mm-hmm. come next door to their neighbor's house, who's also a doctor, mm-hmm. to have a dinner with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, we say, I say, you know, you don't, see us as your equals. You don't see uh, our children as your equals. You don't see Regina's grandchildren as your equals. And they're all like, one woman pauses, medical doctor, okay, and says, you're right. I don't. You're right. Wow. And she looked at all of her friends and she said, you don't either. And we know it. And they all were like, you're right. You're right. Wow. So then you tell me how that doesn't enter the workplace that doesn't enter the operating room. Yeah. What? So if if this conversation could be had an hour after they've left surgery, mm-hmm. and God forbid they've you know surgery on an Asian person, Latino person, Indigenous person, Black person, and they're having this conversation an hour later in a dining room, you mean to tell me those conversations can't happen at the hospital? Yeah. Of course it can. Yeah. Of course it can. It's not that it can't, and it's not that they don't know. It's that they don't want to because they like the power and they like the status quo. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one thing that I think is that I think is very appealing about the work that you and Regina uh, and Lisa as well are are doing, um, but is also kind of the thing that um, has some, you know, kickback and resistance as well is the discomfort, right? And the role of discomfort in transformation and the fact that you know, you acknowledge that people need to go through this discomfort to get to where they say they want to get going. It doesn't happen easily or just sort of everyone's hunky-dory and no one feels uncomfortable about what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and then, Joe, it also depends what you're talking about and, and in what room. So when I'm in a room with white women, mm-hmm. I'm not uncomfortable talking about racism. They are, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I'm in a room with Black people, and I'm t- sorry, I'm trying to get my coffee on here. Um, if I'm in a room with Black people talking about my anti-Blackness, that's uh-huh. uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Anytime, if I'm in a room filled with trans folks and we're talking about transphobia, anytime you're in the power majority, mm-hmm. it's going to feel uncomfortable being uh, challenged on the privileges, our unearned privileges that we've had. And you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Otherwise, nothing will change. Nothing. You can't, if you can't have these conversations because you feel too bad about it, you run away, you know, you run away. By the way, I just did a quick scan, like Keenan Anderson murdered, right? And and there's a video and, and I hope nobody is sharing this video because we got to stop sharing black trauma, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a video from what I understand that is every bit as horrible as the George Floyd video. 
Wow. Okay. I'm now like I I I I follow some of these like big white mom bloggers mm-hmm. uh just because I got to keep it real. I have to understand what's actually being consumed because it's what I do do, you yeah. know. This morning I did a quick scan and these are all the same women who had their black boxes and their crying videos and you know the, the Gal Gadot's crying the celebrities about I am responsible like all all of the great performances of the summer these same accounts are all just posting pictures of their hashtag love 2023 and they all have their arms around each other and like they don't care Mm-hmm. And by the way, this applies to Asians too. We yeah. don't care yeah. because we think that it doesn't apply to us. There was an Indian guy, a wealthy Indian guy in Austin who was just murdered by police in December. Did you hear about that, Joe? Nope, no, not one bit. It's, ha- it's happening to us too, yeah. right? So the way this works, it's not complicated. It's simple. And it's also happened many times throughout time and space. There are lots of sayings about it out of Germany. First, they came for these people and I didn't say anything. First, they came for these people and I didn't say anything. We they, They've already come for us. The entire Department of Homeland Security was created to criminalize people who look like me. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the, the past three years has been horrible for East Asians. Mm-hmm. Where are we? What are we doing? Yeah. And you know what it is? It's the self-loathing. It's mm-hmm. not, it's along with anti-Blackness, comes self-loathing right so we care so little about ourselves that we're not even fighting for our own lives we're fighting to make more money for white men that's all we're doing that's all we're doing and it is pathetic Mm -hmm. it is pathetic you live one life what are you scared of i mean Mm -hmm. i really i'm just so confused Mm -hmm. is your lululemon your yoga pants that important is your trip to the resort in Mexico so important? Is your perfect Christmas card so important that you're not even willing to talk about this? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we? Mm-hmm. White supremacy capitalism has stolen all of our souls. Our souls have been sucked out of our bodies. Yeah. And we've le- been left with like designer bags. Yeah. Well, you know, what you're saying reminds me of uh, uh, parts of your work that that I found really uh, captivating how you and Regina are pointing out things to white women about their own psychology and how they treat each other uh, that maybe they're not fully conscious of themselves, you know, in terms of the nicest niceness, the perfectionism. Um, and I found that aspect like super hidden, but like very powerful, right? That, that this is going on and people don't realize that they're sort of divided against themselves as well. If you're a group, and by the way, I used to be a white woman, right? I was, I was really like the token of the tokens. I UBA, was at UBA. Sorry. Doesn't I get mean, much more white Laura, than that. Laura Ashley, pearls, <laughs> making out with men, white men in Kappa Alpha with Confederate flags. Like, it, talk about self-loathing. I mean, I, I was there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, sitting at restaurants, sitting around the happy hour and whatever, someone gets up to go to the bathroom and everyone's, she's gained five pounds. Her husband's a blah, blah. It's, and it is, if you hate each other and you, you hate, you have to hate yourself in yeah. order to be hating each other this much, right? Wow. If you hate each other, how can you love us? You can't, mm-hmm. you can't, you shit on people below you. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is no change until and unless white women 
stop hating themselves and stop hating each other, period. That's why our work, I mean, our work is really shifting. Lisa Bond is running a 12 month um, program, which by the way, they're filling up so fast now, which is amazing of just white women doing anti-whiteness work. She does not even allow them to talk about black people, brown people, Asian people, Latino. There's no mention because it's a full work on yourselves, put your oxygen mask on first. And she made such a poignant statement once she was like, we hate you all because you and Regine, you all don't hate yourselves. Like we mm-hmm. hate you because you don't hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and if you, it, it's, it, it's just work on yourself, work mm-hmm. on yourself. And Joe, I'll just, I, you know, two things. Uh, or one thing I'll tell you, I've got a long way to go. I was on a flight this summer mm-hmm. going to see my movie deconstructing Karen Mm-hmm. At the Bentonville Film Festival in Arkansas, where Gina Davis was introducing it, and she thought so little of us and it that she didn't even bother to look at the title, and she introduced it as "Deconstructing Susan." That's a that's a no. we're totally gonna we haven't shown the video yet, but we're totally gonna release that at some point. Wow. Um, but so I'm on on the plane, mm-hmm. and a elderly Indian woman who look could have been my late mother, who I loved more than anyone on the planet, yeah. gets on and sits next to me. And she's in a sari and mm-hmm. she doesn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. And the flight attendant keeps coming over and she's like not able to 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 communicate. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking, Joe? What? Instead of having compassion, uh-huh. I'm thinking, why are you dressed like that? Can't you just dress normal? Like, well, why can't you speak English? That's what I that was my first thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's my own people. Yeah. So this is what we're talking about. That's deep self-loathing. That yeah. is deep. So even me, six months ago, going to see my movie, yeah, I was thinking that. We all have a ton of work to do. And this is lifelong. This is not just our lifetimes. This is generational trauma. Why are we even here? What yeah. happened in our own countries to make us even want our ancestors want to leave to come here? Mm-hmm. This is generational trauma born out of colonialism and imperialism. It's not, it's not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, one thing that I think can easily get lost um, in, in the swirl of people's feelings and reactions, and you actually say this, I believe, towards the end of Deconstructing Karen, you know, you, you tell the table of ladies after this, you know, um, very impactful conversation, you know, you tell them you are there out of love. Yeah, you know, it's 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 yeah. not to tear people down. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. something like if you have a if, you know I don't, a child's not a great metaphor. Yeah, but if your yeah. child is misbehaving and you just let them do whatever they want and you don't correct them, that's not actually love. Right, right? love is to um, you know take care of people and do you know what it takes for them to become the best version of themselves. Right, and I thought that was such an important point that can easily get missed in like the sound bites, like the work that you and Regina are doing is not just out of love for yourselves, which it also, but it's also love for everyone else. Basically everyone, it's for love for everyone. Fully, if we didn't believe that people could change, we wouldn't be doing this work. I mean, contrary to what every news article says, we're not getting rich off of this. I used to be a Wall Street lawyer. Regina was Mm -hmm. a C-suite person, trust me. Those were better avenues towards wealth accumulation. Um, If we didn't believe it, We wouldn't be doing it. And and I can say this because I woke up. If mm-hmm. I can wake up, anyone can wake up. I mean, mm-hmm. I was the most highly brainwashed model minority robot on mm-hmm. the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can wake up, so can you and you and you and you. Mm-hmm. And look, 
that look at how much one Asian American can do. Look at how much, because our complicity, white people depend on us being model minority robots. If more of us turn, if more of us stop, it upends the entire system. My God, if even 10% of white women woke up and started doing this work, it would, it would alter everything. Why do you think let's take a step back. Now there's a huge book. Now there's a huge movie. Now we're blowing up, right? Mm -hmm. Two years ago, we were random black Asian woman in random ass Midwest, Denver, Colorado, having (laughs) dinners with eight to 10 white women in their kitchens. Right. Why? Why from the get go, I posted about it on Facebook and the guardian came and did an article. Why? Because we have hit Voldemort. We have hit the nail on its head. Mm -hmm. White womanhood ends as it is right now. And and that will be construed as Sire wants all white women to die. Give me a break. If toxic white womanhood ends, the entire system is gone. The nightmare of America is gone. And then people, the what about, what about, well, what about what happens next then? Like what we can't even conceive of it. Mm-hmm. We cannot even conceive of the other side because we have been so programmed. We are in 20,000 different matrixes. We are fighting 50,000 different Hunger Games, mm-hmm. you know, and we are all the Truman Show. So we cannot see past the screen mm-hmm. because we there's no way. We don't even have an imagination. We have not been given the opportunity to even have an imagination. Yeah, And that to me is so sad is that we haven't even been given the opportunity to dream of an alternate space where there's not somebody oppressing somebody. And that's the other thing. Well, what happens next? And does black people do black? No, no. If black people and if indigenous people wanted to burn this place to the ground, which is what they get accused of all the time, they would have done it by now. They're not monsters. White people are the white people are monsters. Yeah. You know, um, I know it's not the, the main focus of, of your work, but something that you do touch upon and that comes up is you and I are both products of the you know, U.S. educational system, right? And and just the, you know, how we're trained almost in these ways by um, both the content that is delivered and allowed to be delivered and frankly, by the teacher's perspectives and, and the way they treat uh, children of color or however you want to characterize, you know, non-white children. Yep, yeah, totally. You know, your fellow UVA grad, and I'm going to even use his name because he's such an asshole. Um, what 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 did you major in at college? Psychology. Okay. So I mean, I was an American studies major, mm-hmm. and there's I think he must be 90 now. A white man named Joseph Kett, who is like you know the 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 son of S U N of American studies, mm-hmm. and. I did really well because I was, I mean, I studied till four in the morning every day and I never missed a class and all that stuff. Um, And right before graduation, I got an A in his class, Mm -hmm. right? Never, ever gave me the time of day. Like I would go Mm -hmm. talk to, not that he wouldn't even like make eye contact, right? Mm -hmm. And I said to him, you know, thinking he'd be excited about this. I said, you know, I loved, I loved this so much. I loved your class so much. I'm really thinking about maybe down the road pursuing a PhD in um history mm-hmm. and he looks at me and he goes this work is not for dilettantes <laughs> and walked away wow yeah yeah so wow. if he's treating 
a straight A model yeah. minority student like that, imagine yeah. how he treats black and indigenous students. Seriously. Serious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is, that is incredible. And, you know, um, I don't know if you have kids, but, you know, we, we, we have a, a child and, you know, it's, it's not like generation after generation, it, it, it gets much different. It's the same. No. How old is your kid? Generation, uh, eighth grade. Okay. So I'll have a ninth grader and a sixth grader mm-hmm. and a hundred percent. It's the same. It's yeah. because they just, and this is our chapter five on education. This is mm-hmm. how this is how when people are like, oh, it's going to like it, when all the racists die off. Really? Because we've had 400 plus years for that to happen. And they just keep the same white supremacy curriculum. It's still like 85 percent white women teachers. And mm-hmm. who's reinforcing all of it at home? If you're not actively undoing this at home. And my goodness, Joe, my issues with my kids schools are too many to even <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I mean, truly, I, that's another whole separate story. Yeah, yeah. But if, if we were not actively undoing what they're learning at school mm-hmm. every day, and then people are like, well, why don't you just homeschool? Really? That's the answer yeah, to just no. homeschool. Like, no. like, I'm just tired. Like, you know, your kids have to go somewhere yeah. like it, you know, they need to go. So, it, and so what are, what are your, what are our options? You know, even, mm-hmm. even in trying to find a place to live in ever I've lived in New York, I've lived in DC, I've lived in Denver, and now I'm back in Richmond, my hometown. And, you know, people, it's like, I refuse to be a gentrifier. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come in and gentrify a black neighborhood. I'm not going to do that. So where does that like, it, it's, it's, we are Asians are, are very in a precarious position, largely born from our circumstances. Right. But we, mm-hmm. we continue it by upholding this stuff. And I just, I think we have an opportunity. We have a, we have a privilege, right? We have non-black privilege and along with privilege comes duty to stop Mm -hmm. the nonsense and knowing that we're also juggling a lot of things. I'm not, and and like a lot of Asians are like, you're so hard on Asians. Like, look, I, I, I get, I get how we basically get erased by, by all of it. You know, I, none of this is lost on me, but, um, we're not getting we're not getting murdered by police on the street every day. Yeah. You know, we're doing all right. Yeah. You know, um wanted to touch on something that I thought was really fascinating um in in some of the work you did in in the book as well as the documentary based around this uh sense of it's a bit of an irony, right? With with individualism of white people versus, you know, the monolith of 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 everyone else and also the predictability of reactions you know every dinner you go to it's it's some combination of the same like five to ten like lines did you talk a little bit you know about those aspects sure because it's made up it's Mm -hmm. all made up right it's a system that has been created it's a script so we say this then they'll say this we Mm -hmm. say this and they say this and so all we're trying to do is get people to be aware of the script Mm -hmm. so so some of the responses right that makes me mad. I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm not racist. So it's the, it's the exceptional, it's not me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, that hurts my feelings. You insinuating or saying that I'm racist hurts my feelings. So we also know what happens when white women say that their feelings are hurt. The next that's step one, step two is crying. And mm-hmm. when white women cry, it shuts down the conversation. And then they all the focus turns to the white woman and nothing else matters. Right. Mm-hmm. So that happens too. Um it's that I just don't see that. 
Like, you know, that's another one. Another one is, well, what about, what about, what about black on black crime? What about brown on brown uh, crime? Oh, you know, I pointed out multiple times, you just spoke to me in a way you would never, like you spoke to me in a way that felt that was racist. Well, Mm -hmm. I speak to everyone like that. Mm -hmm. You know what the thing is, you're not accounting for the power differential. So when, if you speak to a white person like that, that's very different. It lands very differently than when you speak to a brown or a black person like that. And so what I think, you know, it's it's interesting. We got feedback um, after Dr. Phil because the woman they brought on, I don't know if you saw it, but the woman yeah, they I brought on yeah. was completely, you know, it wasn't hard to, to dismantle her arguments right. or lack thereof. And what we've gotten a lot of is you all are so mean and it was a setup against her. Uh-huh. Well, come to find out, she right. was she was crying in the back afterwards to uh-huh. me and Regina, like right. behind the set. I didn't know who you all were. I didn't know the kind of work you did, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, my God, did she get like, did, did they not tell her? They what, didn't prep her what was going on. So come to find out, uh-huh. they sent had a call and sent her a long email with all of the links. Here are these two people. Here's their website. Here's the press around them. Here's their book. Here's their movie. You know what she said? What? I'm good. I got this. She <laughs> thought so little of us. Right. She thought so little of us that there was not a sink. There was not a universe in which she couldn't outsmart us. Wow. Right. Wow. And so we know her, you Joe know her better than she knows herself because you too have been navigating her bullshit your whole life. Right. And so we know. And so they think that's the other thing is they think they're doing something unique. I mean, go to my LinkedIn on any day, go to my Instagram on any day. There is always a white woman, even now who comes on and thinks she's saying something interesting. Well, like, oh my God, you're, you're painting a broad stroke. How dare you, you know, how dare you say that all white people. And so it's just fact. it's, we know what they're going to say because they always say it. You know what they're going to say. You know what they're going to say because you've seen it your whole life. And so um, once we point it out, I mean, it really is a fascinating two hours in there. I mean, you see it in the movie, right? People come around. This is back to, it's not complicated once it's pointed out. So I do want to make this point. You are not bad for being racist. You are not bad for being anti-Black. I am not bad for being anti-Black. I am human. You shift to the bad category once it is pointed out to you. In some sometimes repeatedly, and you still refuse to acknowledge it, then you're bad. Then you're complicit. Then you're active. Then you're all these, you know, then you're all these things. And so at every dinner, including the one you see in the movie, Deconstructing Karen, they come around. But it's not linear. Some come around and go back. Some don't come around, but then come around later. But the but the window has opened. And mm-hmm. I can tell you this because we've now been doing it for almost four years that the notes that we get from people who were like hated us after the dinner, even years later, will say, I think about it every day and now I'm doing X, Y, and Z. So that the window has opened. Nobody forgets this conversation. I can tell you, even with this book, this book only came out two months ago. We're getting notes from women saying, I'm reading it every day. I carry it around with me and I read passages Every day, a woman told me that she watched the movie six times over Christmas. And she said, why? Because every time I woke up, I realized that I essentially needed to see it again to remember that I'm that person. 
And so that's once the we just we've just pushed the window open. But even if you try to close it, there's still a little bit of a gap, even for those. And that's all we are attempting to do. We have a ton of, we don't like this. We don't like this strategy. What about this? What about this? We're two, we're three with Lisa. There's three of us. That's it. We don't have assistance. We don't have a staff. We don't have a team. It's the three of us. And so there's a thousand other people doing this work. If you don't like, if if you are not resonating with us, have that one of the other, go do it some other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, you know, I mean, like, yeah. What, what's interesting to me is this, um, the resistance and you use you you use you use the word bad and 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 it seems like a lot of people once they get over this sense of like i'm not a bad person and and just pushing against anything that make them might make them reconsider you know how they think and how they go about things they can do this work everyone can do this work it's just they have to get past that initial sense of like it makes me a bad person to acknowledge that this exists and here's what I challenge everybody, including Asians, mm-hmm. is even let's take that at face value. Even mm-hmm. let's take that fallacy at face value, that mm-hmm. it makes you bad, right? Right, right? Wouldn't you rather acknowledge being bad than let these horrible things continue? Mm-hmm. Like that's what, even if we're taking that at face value, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. it's not true, but if if that's how it's landing on you, that you're a bad person, for being racist, then don't you want to become a good person? Like, I, I, I don't you want to, I, I, any way you look at it, it has to propel you into action. It mm-hmm. has to. Mm-hmm. And what that absolutely means is that you lose things. Mm-hmm. If you're, if we're, by the way, we are all operating in a scarcity model. So if I speak up at work, I might lose my promotion. If I speak up at work, my goodness, I might lose my job. I might lose my husband. I might lose my wife. I might lose my kid, right? The thing that people don't get back to not being able to imagine what's on the other side of the, on the other side of the screen mm-hmm. is liberation. Mm-hmm. So just anecdotally in the past six years, I have lost almost every single close friend, including the godmothers of both of my children, every single oh close friend. It, my husband has lost almost every single close friend. We are no longer speaking to members of his immediate family wow. around this work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And guess what I have gained? Liberation. Wow. I have gained liberation. I get to be me. I'm no longer a hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer afraid of flying. I no longer have anxiety. I have real friends. I have an actual community. Mm-hmm. And you know, I still have white, fr- I'm not a racist. I have white friends, you know, mm-hmm. we, they fuck up. I fuck up. Everyone fucks up, but we talk about it. Mm-hmm. We talk about it. And so I think the scarcity model is really holding everybody back too, because you can't even you, everything is a zero sum game. If I lose this friend, then I have no friend. If I lose this job, then I have no job. No, there'll be another job. There will be. Mm-hmm. And the stakes are different for everyone, right? A white person losing a job, the stakes are pretty low for white people. You lose a job as a white person, you get another one. Right. How, white people don't get canceled. That's all made up. There's mm-hmm. no cancel culture, you mm-hmm. know? Um, it, you lose your job, Joe, it'll be harder for you than yeah. a white person. It'll be easier for you than a black person. Absolutely. So it's it's just, it's it's understanding power where it lies and and just being willing to, Okay, so fine, you lose your job and you don't have another job. Like, 
we're all going to die anyway. Don't you want to do something on this planet while we're here besides making money? I just, I don't, I I really, I I don't get it. I I really have hit a point where I don't get it. I don't get what's holding people back at this point, especially seeing what's happening. Well, it's because you've taken, I forget if it's the red pill or the blue pill. And yeah. Matrix has been revealed, you know? So you, yeah. you can't yeah. see that now, right? Yeah, you yeah, back yeah. Into the Matrix. You can't. And I wouldn't, I used to say to my therapist, who's a white woman, mm-hmm. um, I want to go back. And she was like, <laughs> well, I'll remind you that when you were in there, you were terrified that of flying, you thought right. you were dying every 10 seconds, right. you couldn't sleep. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to go back, <laughs> you know? So, you know, one of the things I love about your work, Sarah, is um, kind of pulling the veil back on, on on reality, right? And and one interesting sort of exchange during the documentary is, you know, you ask people, you know, who's, who voted for Trump, you know, who's Democrat, who's Republican, right? And people show a raise of hands. It's about like 80-20, you know, Democrat to, you know, to Republican. And then, you know, you say something interesting about who's actually more dangerous in terms of the type of type of women, like if you had like an anti-racism, you know, most wanted, you know, list for the most dangerous person, and it's not who people might think it is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, definitely watch the movie, because I think that part of it is fascinating to see, because mm. we talk about it a lot, but you actually see it yeah. happening, yeah. right? Um, so let me put it to you this way. Who is more dangerous? Um, Lauren Boebert, who mm-hmm. is part of the active ongoing coup mm-hmm. or Katie Porter, who's sitting back girl bossing out with the, the art of giving zero fucks. Lauren Boebert is very openly uh, and op- open and honest about what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So I, as a Brown woman who does this work, or even if I didn't do this work, mm-hmm. know to avoid Lauren Boebert. She mm-hmm. is deeply unsafe because she's been like, I'm deeply unsafe. I'm a violent racist, xenophobe, all of the things. Okay, so I'm going to go over here, right? Katie Porter is has all of her math and how cute. And by the way, I support Katie Porter. Like, I love her policies, right? Um, but she does all this cutesy stuff. Lauren Bo- Bo- Boebert is over here. Is she up there challenging Lauren Boebert? Is she up there fighting her ass off for Lauren Boebert? No, she is essentially patting herself on the back and being smug. She is very dangerous, because we know that she's not fighting for our, for our lives. She's not even fighting for her own life. Mm-hmm. But we think we trust her. We trust her. So we give her money. We cozy up to her. We want to mm-hmm. be her friend. But when push comes to shove, she'll flick us off the cliff mm-hmm. versus kicking us off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And so it is the wolf in sheep's clothing. White liberals are wolves in sheep's clothing. And that is a primary reason I had to get out of Denver, Colorado, which is the most blue. I think it's the most blue district in America. I have never... And I'm, I live in Richmond, Virginia. I have never experienced the violent racism that I experienced there. And um, I it, like the the racism of wish, whispers and hushes. I'll give you an anecdote. Mm-hmm. We lived uh, lived in, in the city and our neighbors were super, super uh, Democrats, like Colorado Party, Democrat Party activists. And their grandson used to play with my son. So we, they've been to each other's houses. They live across the street. Yeah. So we were up. This is when I was running for Congress in 2018. This is like roughly March, 2018. And I'm sitting at a rest, our local restaurant. Right. And my husband and I are sitting there and a white family of four is sitting behind us. And I notice our neighbors are sitting up at the bar and I try to make contact to, to say hi, but they won't even look at me because they're friends 
with the white woman who I was primarying out. So they didn't even look at me. Right. So this white family gets up to leave and, and the guy comes back, a white guy comes back over, must've been in his thirties. And he looked at me, he goes, are you running against Diana to get? And I said, yes. He smacks his hand down on the table so loudly that the entire restaurant stops. And he said, fuck you. I'm a, I'm a white, he goes, I'm a gay man. And she's been so supportive of the gay community. Fuck you, bitch. Okay. No, but they turn, they're sitting right here. They turn and watch the whole thing and don't say anything. The waitress white doesn't say anything. Nobody in the restaurant says anything. Yeah. Okay. He would never have done that to me if I was white. Mm -hmm. If he was black, he would have been shot. Mm -hmm. So he leaves. And then it's like, it, it, it's like you hit pause and it's, this happened. And then they hit play and everything went back to, and the two neighbors just turned back around and went back to their dinner. They're the good Germans. They're the good liberals. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Amazing. Amazing. And, and that sort of thing is going to continue to happen uh, without this, without individuals doing the work, which kind of leads me to the question that I ask everyone, you know, at, at the end of these episodes of The Truth Hurts, you know, what is one, and you say it's, you know, not complicated, it's difficult, but it's not complicated. What is one simple action anyone, anyone can do today to better dismantle sort of white supremacy in themselves and then, you know, also in in the places that they, you know, are in. If you're white, start looking in the mirror every day and say, I'm white. I'm a white woman. I'm a white woman. I'm a white woman. Until and unless you start racializing yourself, just like everyone else has been racialized, you cannot even start because you haven't put yourself on the on the hierarchy. And if you haven't put yourself on the hierarchy, if you're just a person, you can't be racist because you're not even there. The minute you're a white woman or a white man, my goodness, you have to face your truth. You have to face your truth of what you have done to everybody else. That's number one for white people, for Asian people. I am anti-black. I am anti-black. So let's start, Joe. I am Syra Rao and I am anti-black. I've, I'm Joe Kwan. I've always been anti-black and still am anti-black. I mean, it's something we we need to work on for sure. Yep. That's it. It's yeah. not that it's not. I mean, it. that's it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Syra, how can people get in touch uh, to learn more about you, the organizations? I know you have Haven uh, as well that you're very uh, yeah, so I, I would say um, go to race2dinner.com mm-hmm. uh, for anybody. You can get links to our book, our movie, follow us on socials, buy the book, buy a book for a friend, suggest that your company reads it. A lot of companies are doing it now. So that's that's a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, have a watch party at work. Have a watch party at work. Um, we will zoom in to watch parties, you know? Uh, and then if you're a black indigenous or brown woman, check out um, havenmedia.org. We are building a community of by walk uh, or just go. I mean, I'm pretty easily findable. It's I'm now very behind on DMs and all that, but eventually I will get back to you if you email me or DM me. Yeah. Well, Syra, uh, I really, really appreciate your time today. Uh, I, I know you and Regina are getting, and Lisa are getting so busy. So I appreciate you taking time to speak to, to me and our audience. Um, thank you for being our guest on The Truth Hurts, a bonus episode of Diversity Bites. Thanks, Joe. All right. This is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. And until the next time, remember, the truth only hurts when you can't let go of the lie.